0: to the backmarkers f1 show podcast here on youtube and if you're listening to us on your favorite audio platform we are so glad to be back here here doing our podcast it has been quite a long time since we brought you a new episode of the bmf1 show podcast but nevertheless we didn't go away permanently we just took a little bit of a break but now we are back for good here in this 2023 season well in case you forgot my name is chris cato Joined by my fellow Backmarkers and super glad to connect with these guys once again, Tyler McDonald and Shaker Barty. Boys, it's really glad to uh, have you guys back here doing a podcast just ahead of the new season. How are you guys doing?
1: Doing great, Chris. Uh, nice to, to be able to connect with you boys again. I uh, missed doing it in the second half of last season, but uh, we didn't miss too much uh, craziness, I guess. But uh, no, it's great to be back and, and doing another podcast with you guys.
2: I yeah, know I'm same same feelings as Tyler it's been forever and you know we were talking about if we still remember how to do this and <laughs> it's, it's gonna take a little bit it's like riding a bike well uh you know first show is gonna have some stumbles so we'll see <laughs> I'm very excited to be back though
0: <laughs> yeah likewise the feeling is mutual so if you guys notice any mistakes on our end then uh, please forgive us but this is it, it's winter testing for us so we're going to work out the kinks before uh, before we go for real but today's podcast is really just uh, a chance for us three to reconnect and also for us to reconnect with you guys the fan base as well because although we didn't do the podcast we were still doing videos along the way for the season maybe a little bit less than usual but a lot of you were asking where's the podcast are you guys not doing it anymore when is it coming back so we always had some scheduling conflicts and Maybe we'll take the first five to 10 minutes to kind of just explain the reason why we were away and why we couldn't get things connected. And it was mainly because it was on my end. I had a pretty big move in uh, last May of uh, 2022. And not only did I move cities and houses, but I also moved countries as well. So I'm no longer located in Canada. I moved to Serbia, which uh, is, of course, was part of the former Yugoslavia, which was the birthplace of my family so we moved back here so i am now located in europe and serbia in particular so i don't know how long i'll be here for but definitely for uh, the foreseeable future so uh, of course tyler and shaker are still based back in ottawa canada so that was the kind of issue with always trying to get our schedules on the same time frame because of the big issue with the six hour difference in the time zone and it was really difficult of course on my end too with the all the things that go into a move and so many other different personal problems that came along the way too so it was really difficult to actually just even do videos for the channel on its own so i do want to apologize for maybe the lack of content or towards the end of the 2022 season and of course the lack of the bmf1 show podcast but i just wanted to give that explanation to everybody there as to why we were missing we didn't want we obviously wanted to do it but we just could never get the schedules lined up but i think that going forward for this season we'll be able to make something work and Hopefully, we'll do all of the podcasts with us three, but if not, then maybe it'll be Tyler and Shaker just coming to you from Ottawa and uh, maybe I'll jump in when I can, but nothing will really change on the channel, really. Of course, we're going to still have some great content and new ideas coming to the channel, but with me being located here in Europe, which is, of course, the epicenter of Formula One, you're going to be able to see a lot more kind of cool behind the scenes on location content. I'll have a lot more chances to go to races in person. It'll be a lot easier than being based in Canada, which, of course, we only get one race a year in our area, which is disappointing. But I'll be able to do a lot more cool things, I think, being here. If uh, you guys saw it last season, uh, I went to Belgrade for the Red Bull Show Run, which was a, a unique experience as well. So you should be seeing a lot of that uh, cool stuff as well. But before I forget, I don't know if you guys have noticed, but I am wearing a, uh, a custom BMF One Show shirt. And I do have another one here just just to show you guys this one uh, is coming in a uh, in a shade of white so we just got uh, we got the logo there at the front i don't know how you guys can see that and then just a, a print on the back it might be in reverse for the camera but you guys kind of uh, get the gist of the idea so let us know in the comments below if you uh, if you want to order a shirt if you uh, think we should launch the merch store for 2023 uh let us know because if there is a demand for them we will definitely uh we will definitely set something up i know uh tyler and shaker you guys are next in line to be getting uh, a couple of these shirts for yourselves and you'll see more of them on uh, on the episodes this year but yeah it's uh, it's been long overdue we've been talking about it for a while and i got two uh, printed for for my birthday this year and if I go out to some of these races here in Europe or different types of events, I'll be sure to wear my uh, BMF One Show merch and let us know in the comments below because you could be wearing it too.
2: Yeah, shirts or if you guys are like interested in hoodies or something like that, that's probably something we can maybe look into because I'm sure it's like the same manufacturer. But Yeah, I would guess same with hats too or you know ball Anything, caps. Anything, yeah. Uh yeah if you like let us know what you guys are interested in it's not you know we're gonna get you guys stuff that you want to wear not just you know <laughs> what we want to wear. <laughs>
0: yeah it's an it's an option for for this season it's something that we could we could do to expand so yeah we'll uh, we'll do it as uh, as soon as the uh, the demand arises so tyler and shaker will be holding it down in ottawa canada so because we didn't really get a chance to talk much about the end of the 2022 season Tyler, I'm going to kick the floor over to you and I just take as much time as you want to maybe just give some of your thoughts on the 2022 season. What were some of your highlights, your lowlights and overall, how did you think the new era of Formula One got off to start last season?
1: Yeah, I think it's trying to, it's funny. I'm trying to wrap my head around kind of what happened the last half of the season and break it all down. But for me it almost seemed like a little bit of a lull in what has been a crazy few years for Formula One. Ever since Drive to Survive came out, we see this nonstop craziness that just keeps happening and happening. And for the first time, these new fans have kind of seen what we're all used to watching F1. And that's a, a season where you know where who the champion's going to be halfway through the season or three quarters of the way through a season. So um, I felt that we were kind of Not moving backwards, but we were starting a trend back to those 2014, 2015 years, maybe, where we saw Lewis Hamilton dominate so much, Um, this time, of course, it being Max Verstappen. Um, So I thought, in terms of championship quality um, and drama-wise, was it on par? Of course, it can never be on par, I think, to what the craziness we saw last year, um, or I should say 2021. Um, two years ago, I guess now, but um, in terms of the actual racing, I thought the, the racing was phenomenal. I really enjoyed the, these, how these new cars race throughout the entire season. And I thought we did see everything that was promised, you know, was pretty much delivered. We saw that closer packed racing. We saw um, drivers struggle a lot more with these cars, try to learn a whole new different um, downforce package. Same with the teams, and you know we saw a little bit of shakeup with Mercedes having a really tough season, and yeah, it, it, it's it was a, a very interesting season for a lot of different reasons that we've seen over years uh, years past. So um, all in all, you know we didn't miss, I guess, too much tr- uh, championship drama craziness, but there's definitely some some stories that we did miss. And uh, I will say right off the bat how disappointed I am that our guy Nicholas Latifi. Fellow Canadian will not be on the grid next year. That's kind of like the biggest heartbreak I have from this season because uh, he's been on the show a few times and a uh, really, really good guy um, to take the time and come on our show. And, of course, a fellow Canadian as well. So it's uh, tough tough to go for for Nicholas, but a bright future ahead of him. And, uh, of course, we still have Lance Stroll on, on, the, uh, on the grid as well. So we'll see how him and his new teammate, Fernando Alonso, uh, uh, does next season as well.
2: Yeah, I'm pretty much kind of on the same boat with Tyler, but I think uh, based on what happened in the 2022 season, it's pretty much, you know, what we kind of suspected in terms of a lot of close wheel-to-wheel racing. Um, And I think the only thing that, you know, we weren't too sure of was, was there going to be a clear winner through halfway through the season? And that was kind of going to define if it it usually defines if it's a good season or not, because it makes it interesting. And I think despite that, we saw a close wheel-to-wheel racing, a lot of, you know, um, and not just in the top of the grid. It was pretty much all over. Um, so that was really nice to see. But, yeah, I kind of agree by, by, you know, by we, the time we got to the last, like, four or five races of the season, I just, I wasn't as excited as I was in the 2021 and 2020 seasons to see what was going to happen if somebody was going to put up a fight for the championship winner. Um, You know, despite the only drama being the Max and, you know, Sergio drama uh, at the towards the end of the season, there wasn't really anything that stood out, I would say, um, which which made all the other seasons so interesting. Um, So, yeah, I mean, I I, to be honest, I haven't really watched the last two seasons of Drive to Survive. I'm not super stoked for this next season, too. (laughs) That's just because there was no drama. I just felt like there was nothing really that Drive to Survive could really show except for what was going on behind the scenes for the teams. So, I,
1: I tell you, I'm actually really interested in Full Swing, which is the PJ Tour golf spinoff of Drive to Survive. It's from the same creators. They're doing the exact same thing, but with the PJ Tour. So I'm really interested in that. And I just wonder uh, maybe how many people are going to shift from, especially North America, shift from F1 to golf after this series, depending on how well it drops. I mean, it comes out a week or two weeks before the next season of Drive to Survive. So it'll be really interesting to see what the numbers are between those two uh, series coming up.
0: There's also a tennis one that just came out, I believe, a few days ago. Basically, I'm pretty sure from the same makers of Drive to Survive. So It'll be actually nice if uh, they steal some of the the fans away from F1 because ticket prices and, and attendance has been crazy the last two seasons. I mean, a lot of these Grand Prix are already sold out. I mean, we're talking almost a year in advance, so it would be nice if the Drive to Survive hype kind of cooled down a little bit because certainly before Drive to Survive, I didn't notice this craziness surrounding actually attending Grand Prix races in terms of the amount of people there and how difficult it is to get tickets. So, yeah, well, it'll be interesting to see what happens there, but I would agree with most of the points that you guys brought up there. Um, I think that 2022 was overall a good season in terms of the new cars and the regulations. We had a lot of really good individual races, but like you guys mentioned, the overall championship was quite disappointing. I think after I'd probably say the Hungarian Grand Prix right around the summer break, we we knew that this was over and that Red Bull did this remarkable turnaround. Ferrari, of course, really screwed themselves up many times and It was boring, though, at the end of the season, to be honest with you. And, you know, yes, Max Verstappen, he was a double world champion and drove a fantastic season. But it was still boring because we wanted to see those close battles like we did in 2021. So I think that some of the issues, though, with the new regulations are that we had a lot of DRS overtakes. So I think that that's an issue going forward that they'll have to address. And the only disappointing thing for me was that the field spread was much bigger than what I'd want it to be. You know, the top three teams, they were so far ahead of even McLaren and then, of course, further down Alpine and the rest of them. So I was kind of disappointed that I was hoping that maybe an Alpine or a McLaren could be a title contender. But looks like that's not going to be the case for at least another few years.
1: Yeah, it's, it's a great point, Chris. Uh, the, the gap was a little too strong for me. And I do want to point out what a weird way for Max to win his second title. I mean, I know, right? The first way was was odd in its own in its own right, but I mean, I was watching uh, F1 on their YouTube just put out uh, the radio rewind from the Japanese Grand Prix from this year, and I was like, while I was watching it back, and like I had to remember that, oh yeah, this race was time short, and so like they didn't know if there was an extra lap or not, and Max didn't know if he was the champion when he was in the like in the um, uh, the TV room before the podium room before you go on the podium. And they released all that and he's like are, are you sure i'm champion like for sure i'm champion and like everyone's just kind of looking around <laughs> awkwardly it's just weird what a weird way to do it um so yeah that's another point to take up from this season
2: yeah and I, I think honestly what what didn't make this season as interesting as it should be is because it was kind of the same storyline going into every single race you know um either ferrari has the po- uh, you know has pole going into the race and you is, can basically max get this win coming from coming from behind and it would pretty much result in the same thing every single race and I, and like you mentioned like halfway through the season there wasn't very interesting anymore because you kind of knew what the results were going to be right before the race even started
0: yeah it just goes to show that it's not you know when we were talking about this a few years ago it wasn't a, a personal dig at you know Hamilton or Mercedes it was it was the point of we all oh, we want exciting races we don't want one guy dominating no matter if it's Hamilton or Verstappen because again I think Shaker like you mentioned it wasn't as exciting to tune into those races towards the end of the season because there wasn't much happening you know Max would just pull out in front with the exception of maybe a couple of races where they were off off the balance but I think overall it was okay. It was it was a decent, solid season, a uh, record-breaking season for Verstappen, probably maybe may something that we'll be able to see again in the future just because of the extended amount of races on the calendar. But certainly we also didn't get a lot of those crazy surprise podiums, right? I mean, Lando Norris was the only other driver outside of the big three teams to score a podium in 2022 versus the season before where we had a lot of different drivers, even in the midfield scoring podium. So I'm hoping that that's going to correct itself going into 2023, because I hope that we're not going to see another five, six years of just Red Bull domination now. I think that would set the sport back uh, quite a few years if it was like that. So fingers crossed, and it's we're going to get to the 2023 season in just a minute. But actually, just on that note, we're still obviously in the offseason. We're not off season phase, but the preseason phase. And we're discussing amongst ourselves and, and thinking of different types of videos and ideas that we could come to the channel. So if you guys didn't see on our social media platforms and on our YouTube community tab, we are doing a fan feedback slash survey on uh, Google forms. So if you click the link, you just fill out, there's a couple of questions there in terms of what type of content you'd like to see, uh, just a couple of different questions, just to give us some more information about you guys, the subscribers. So if you haven't already done that, please just take uh, two, three minutes to fill that out because that will help us as well, kind of directing the content for 2023. Of course, we won't be able to do everything you guys suggest to us, but sometimes we also need those ideas as well, because we get, you know, writer's block and and creative block as well. So, and at the end of the day, we are making the content for you guys as well, in addition to us. So yeah, check that out. I will be posting the link to that in the description of the video and the uh, podcast below as well. So that means a couple of off-season things then that we can talk about that's happened recently, actually, within the past couple of days and weeks. And one of the big ones was a new team potentially entering the grid within the next few seasons. And we've had uh, Porsche possibly coming in, which hasn't really happened. Of course, that Red Bull deal fell through. But this new one being Andretti in a team partnership with GM and Cadillac. And this is really interesting because Andretti, Michael Andretti, he's been really trying to get into Formula One ever since really the last two seasons. And he's faced a lot of pushback. And Tyler, I was wondering if you saw a lot of the comments and the pushback from Formula One saying that you know they weren't really excited or happy about this potential bid. And the FIA was more supportive of Andretti and his attempt to come into Formula One. But what do you make of some of the backlash that Andretti and GM have gotten into a potential entry into Formula One. And I know this question is right up your alley because you always talk about wanting more teams in Formula One. So the floor is yours.
1: Well, Chris, this sounds like a great storyline for Drive to Survive, doesn't it? <laughs> it does. It, it sounds like a great storyline with all this drama going on. Um, but no, seriously, uh, I have been, if you're a listener of this podcast, you, you, you might have missed me actually saying it uh, since I haven't been saying it over the last few months, but you know, I think we need to have more teams on the grid and 24 drivers on the grid. There's so much room for these drivers. So we, we need to have, um, there's so much talent that, that isn't being used on the F1, uh, grid right now. And even going into the next season, Daniel Carter should have a ride. Mick Schumacher should have a ride. Nicholas, Latifi TV should have a ride. Um, it's just unfortunate that we haven't had the opportunities to show all the talents of all these drivers. And this is a great opportunity for F1 to continue their momentum into America. Yes, they have Haas as one of the American teams, but two American teams would be phenomenal. And to get an American engine manufacturer as well, in this case, Cadillac coming in under the GM brand, is phenomenal. I wasn't expecting it to run under Cadillac. I was expecting for it to run under Chevy. Um, But Cadillac does have some racing pedigree, of course, uh, throughout the endurance series. And I think that's what they're going to be uh, striving towards by using the Cadillac name. And it's uh, maybe a little more um, luxurious than Chevrolet. Uh, you, you think of Cadillac, you kind of think of more of a, a classier, sportier car uh, than a Chevrolet. So that could be that as well. But this is, I think, a no-brainer for F1 to get, bring these guys into the sport. And it brings more money into the sport, more eyes, a lot more sponsorship dollars coming from the American side as well and it creates more drivers uh, being able to get opportunities on the grid they're trying to push so hard into america they got three races next year i don't understand why there is some sort of pushback on and uh coming into f1 so it'd be great to see them it'd be great to have another team come in as well of course you mentioned porsche and um sauber is going to be taken taken over but the naming rights are going to be changed as well i believe that's to audi correct that's correct yeah okay just making sure i, I get my facts straight so uh, more manufacturers coming in, which is great, but we need more individual teams as
2: well.
0: Okay, Shikar, are you muted? Or?
2: I was muted. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> first mistake,
0: first mistake right there. What are we at? 30
2: minutes in? That's pretty good. That's pretty good. <laughs> I mean, I was gonna say I really have nothing more to add, except for the fact that I'm excited for Audi to come in. Uh, I, that's not till 20 the next year, right? Not 2023, but 2024. Yeah. They're supposed to come in. 2026, actually. 2026. 2026. Oh, is it? Oh, hold I on. That was 2024. Is and it? Then right, the and then naming
1: rights.
0: Uh, yeah, the the naming rights. Okay, I think I think you guys are right about that. Yeah, I got too ahead of myself.
2: Yeah, but I'm just really stoked for that. I've been wanting them to enter F1 since basically since I started watching. So, and I I will say maybe the Cadillac name is more to compete with like Mercedes and the Audi name rather than putting Chevy out there. Um, Just because it's like you said, it's a more luxurious brand and everything, right? And Mercedes, a lot of their money goes towards sponsorships and stuff as well. So it'd be good for Cadillac to be more in that F1 and luxurious kind of name
1: you have to wonder if you're a GM, maybe you're losing car sales to to these you know manufacturers like Mercedes like Audi, like Porsche. Um, and this is a great opportunity for to to get the Cadillac name out there once more. So um, you might just have a a whole financial backing of it just of let's get some more, let's get we need to start selling more cars. So um, there's also the business perspective to think of as well behind all this moves movement.
2: Yeah, for sure.
0: It's certainly interesting to see how it'll play out. I know Andretti has been really getting a lot of road bumps, roadblocks and and backlash with ever since, I think it was about two years ago that they really started to float the idea of, for, I know first it was with Sauber that they were potentially going to take them over. And then now with this GM and Cadillac bid, so it's unfortunate that we're seeing some of this backlash from some of these esteemed teams in formula one, because I agree with you, Tyler. Of course, we need more teams in F1. I think we need at least 12 teams. Go back to the 24 car days that we had a, a few years ago. So I really hope that something good will come out of this, because if we can get some of these legendary manufacturers, maybe like an Audi, like a works Audi team or a works Porsche team, along with Ferrari and Mercedes and Red Bull, who have now become the staples of the sport, it'll be really good as well. And it's just obvious with the push to America, it's I mean forget the racing side it's just what you guys mentioned it's a business side right three races in the us ridiculous amounts of money being poured into it from that side so it would just make sense to have a fully american works team another one and potentially one that's more successful than Haas, which is the only american team at the moment we've got the new american driver this season logan Sargent. so there's another step in the right direction on both sides the racing and also the business aspect so yeah, let us know what you guys think in the comments below. This is kind of a developing story and situation. I, I'm sure we'll hear a lot of it going into winter testing and, of course, as we enter the new season as well. But, yeah, I, I it's we've talked about it almost since day one of, of the podcast five or six years ago is we need more teams. <laughs> we need more teams.
1: No, it's so true. And it's just, let's just hope that it comes true that we get Android in there, at least getting it to 22 and... Um, who knows where we go from there, but we're still a few years away from it. So I'm sure you know, as much as things have changed over the last three, four months with this storyline, I couldn't imagine what's going to happen in the next three, four years with this storyline.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And the new engine regulations in 2026 too plays a big factor in a lot of the the new involvement or new excitement with manufacturers and companies wanting to enter the sport. So I hope it's all in the positive direction, but uh, we'll see how it plays out. And I'm sure next podcast we'll have even more to talk about it as the situation develops. Uh, the next, uh, or pretty much the last kind of breaking news story or, or new story that we've had in the off season is one I actually just saw today. And I'm gonna pull it up here and uh, Shaker, I know you saw this, uh, but Tyler hasn't seen it yet. <laughs> so we're gonna get Tyler's live reaction here and I will put on my glasses so that I can actually see this. So a new qualifying format, is going to be trialed in 2023 only at two races, thankfully. So you kind of already know what my opinion on this is going to be, <laughs> but they're going to, tr- <laughs> they're going to try this out in two races this season. It's to be confirmed, which events those will be, but I will read directly from, uh, from the document here and it says a revised qualifying format, short form RQF will take place at up to two events in 2023 for the purpose of evaluating whether the revisions are suitable for subsequent championships as per the updated regulations so this is what the revised qualifying format will entail this will see tire compounds mandated for each stage of f1's usual three-part qualifying session so what they want to do is to have hard tires only for q1 medium tires only for q2 and finally <coughs> excuse me finally soft tires only in q3 and then intermediates and wets will be allowed of course if the session is declared wet At RQF events, each driver may use up to no more than 11 sets of dry weather tires, four sets of intermediate tires, and three sets of wet weather tires. So basically, in summary, only hard tires Q1, only medium tires Q2, and only soft tires Q3. What do you guys think of this proposed revised qualifying format?
1: (laughs) Is that the only change? That's the only...
0: That is the only change, yeah.
1: I mean, okay. I, I mean... I like the idea, but if you're going to make a change, make a change. That's not a change, really. It's just putting a, a sticker over what's already happening. Everyone's already on the same compound attire. Basically, the only thing you're doing is negating the strategic battle that we usually get to see in Q2 with who starts on mediums and who starts on sauce, which is you know brings an interesting perspective into Q2.
0: Which which so we don't really we just, don't even have that anymore because they got rid of that. I think was it last? season oh yeah. right So it's just free target right. choice.
1: No, you're right, actually. Yeah. So that doesn't even does it matter even more. So now I really don't even understand why they would do that. Like, I, I, I like the idea. I like the, the kind of overall perspective behind it, um, but I just don't understand what it would change. Go for it, Shaker. <laughs>
2: Um, So I think what I mean again, not an engineer. I've said this many times on this podcast, but I think the only thing it brings it down to is like you said, it takes away the tire choices and the strategic things and play by the teams, and it basically just boils it down to what the cars can perform it with those tires consecutively over lap time. So if they're using the same tire, uh, same tire count compound in like say Q one, and they're starting with like old old set used tires from, like, another race, that team might probably going to be at a bigger advantage because that, uh, that tire's already used. But if they're all using fresh, hard tires, they all kind of have to go into it um, in terms of, uh, you know, actually get the tires up to temp and stuff like that. So I think it doesn't change anything, Tyler. You're absolutely right. But I think it just dumbs it down for people who are watching is all it is going to do. Is that if everybody's on the same tire compound, they're going to be setting the same lap time around a lot, uh, around the track, basically what, what comes down to their engine uh, their engine and the aero performance of the car with the same tire compound on each car. All I think it does is just dumbs it down for people is what they're That's
1: doing. That's a really good point, actually. If you think <laughs> of it, it, just it's all set for TV and the viewer. Yeah. Uh, it's a great point, Shaker.
2: But again, not an engineer. This is just my theory.
0: <laughs> or, or or, it could just could complicate things even more because new fans are going to be sitting around going, wait, what tire are they on for this Q2? Is it which tire? The red one? No, no, no. That one's oh, this one, the third Q. It's the white tire. Which one? The hard one? It's yeah. like a couple of years ago when they changed all the, the Hypersoft and Supersoft and they got rid of all that. They had like seven different names for... For the tire compound, so it could have the opposite effect. People might get even more confused now. I don't know. Yeah, but.
1: Controversially, I like the hypersoft and the super soft better than what the three C. Are they
2: still doing the uh, what do you call it? Like the pre-race thing, whatever they were doing last year for the five races, that format that they ran. Sprint format. format.
0: Yeah, yeah. There's more this year. Yeah. There's six this year now. <laughs> <laughs>
2: I, I mean, I feel about that, like, I feel like they should just try out one, you know, not have like six sprint races, six regular qualifying, and two of these.
1: I think it was, uh, I, I could be wrong here, and I hope I'm not, but I was listening to Danny the Ricardo's uh, uh interview he did on the uh Dak Shepard podcast. Really good interview. Um, if you guys have the time to listen, but I, I think this is from this interview. And please don't, you know, if I'm wrong, please tell me in the chat, but don't blast me. Uh, Just, you know, tell me politely. Uh, But I think Daniel Ricardo said he enjoys the two races per weekend because you get tired of practice. As a driver, you know, and it creates a little bit more drama. Like, the drivers want to race, so he actually enjoyed the sprint races. But I just wonder if six, you're starting to get to a slippery slope with the amount of sprint races you're going to have. And with this whole cost cap, I mean, we saw now, we're going to get to this in a second here, because actually now I'm remembering what really bugged me last year. So if we get into the whole cost cap thing, of course, more races equals possible more crashes, more damage for um, these manufacturers to have to squeeze in this cost cap. Um, But what we did see last year was Red Bull get away with going over the cost cap. So I don't understand for, for barely a nothing penalty. They, we, if we're going to go over the cost cap, we need to put a points penalty on the manufacturer and not a fine. Are we all in agreement to that? I think that's just a no-brainer. I don't understand why there wasn't a points deduction against Red Bull.
0: Or what's the point of the cost cap? Exactly. No, I, I right. and it, but we could get to that topic next, but just to, to bring it back to this new revised qualifying format. When I read it, I just, my only reaction was why? I'm like, is when we look at the priority of the things that we need to change to improve the racing, and and they always I don't get what is wrong with the, the people who are running Formula One, where every couple of years, they have this urge, it's like almost the rash that they have to scratch of like, we need to change the qualifying format, we need to change the qualifying format. And then it's always the worst ideas to change the (laughs) qualifying form. And I mean, people still have like PTSD from that change in 2016 or whatever it was. I don't even know what the name of that qualifying was, but I don't know what that was. I I think it was so bad. They canceled it like mid qualifying session. They're like, we're done. Like, let's just restart. We're going back to Q1, Q2, Q3. It was just that bad. But I I just, I don't understand it. I mean, to me in qualifying, you want to see the cars on the lightest fuel with the tires that have the most grip so that we can get the best laps possible because i mean really if you're let's say one of these backmarker teams you know running that soft count, compound qu- uh, compound tire and qualifying if you got a driver in your car that can extract the most performance out of the car with the softest tire that could get you into Q2 maybe even Q3 for example the williams in the last couple of years but now you you strap on a set of hard tire compounds for that first Q1 session maybe that just doesn't interact well with the car. So they're going to have basically no chance of getting any sort of lap time performance out of the tire. Again, I'm not an engineer anyway, so maybe I'm I'm not thinking about it the right way, but I just don't understand the point of it. I think it was much more simplified when they got rid of the Q2 starting tire rule and they just said, strap on whatever tire you want. Now the fans, new fans know that it's going to be the red tire, the C3 or the C5. It's the softest compound tire. It's the tire that's going to give you the most amount of grip for qualifying. That's what I'd like to see personally. I just don't understand what what the point of this is. I mean, I think we're going to see a lot of cars, you know, struggling to bring up tire temperatures in that Q1 lap. I think we're just going to see a decrease in the excitement of qualifying sessions, in my opinion, and maybe that's the goal because they're going to end up making qualifying so obsolete that they're just going to say sprint races for every single race. And we're no longer even going to see the excitement of a one lap qualifying lap, which to me is still one of the most exciting things about Formula One. My vote, and I've always said this, is that they should go back to how they used to do it in the old days, which is maybe not for every single session, but at least in Q3, the top 10 drivers, each driver goes out individually and has like one chance to set a lap and that's it. And then everybody, the whole cameras... The whole broadcast, everybody at the track, they're focused on just that one car on a track. And that's when all the pressure is on because everybody's watching that one driver go for pole. To me, that would make it much more exciting and would put a lot of value into qualifying of why people should watch. Because now, most times we don't even get to see the pole position lap in qualifying because we're focusing on 10 different drivers. So that's personally the only change that I'd make for qualifying. Other than that, I think the format's okay the way it is.
1: I think it's a great idea, uh, Chris. That's what NASCAR does. They do as Well, they have two rounds now. They kind of did a happy medium of F1 and the old style NASCAR. NASCAR just be, you get two laps um, and every car goes and does those two laps. Now there's a round one and a round two and the top, I don't to for 10 cars, make it to 12 cars, make it to round two and they get one lap each. To get to whoever is going to be pole position, yeah. and it, it's a great happy meeting because you have that drama of okay, this guy set the fastest lap, and now he's waiting in the pits to see if he gets it. Exactly. Um, so you know, it's I like that format, but um, like you said, it, maybe it is a, a way for F one just to keep introducing those sprint races. Who knows?
2: Yeah, I and I kind of agree. Like a time trial, time trial. Uh, qualifying is definitely the best way to go. It kind of settles how fast you can take the car with no interruptions, right? Um, and like, I I just want to go back to your point, it's Like, yes, go like changing the rules every year is not going to do anything, especially if they're like placing those qualifying. If qualify isn't working in like a specific race, like say you go to Singapore for a night race or like, you know, a closed off track. Uh, I'm trying to think, like Saudi Arabia is a closed off track, right?
0: Yeah, for the most part.
2: Yeah. Pretty much, yeah. Like, like some, somewhere where, you know, you only really have one car going down and you can't have two cars rating side by side going down a straight. Maybe change, like, the qualifying rules for that specific track for it didn't work the last year beforehand. But not. I just, I just don't understand, like, half we're going to do regular qualifying six sprint and two random ones that we just made up. You know, it doesn't add anything interesting or anything like that to F1 except for making everybody else confused onto what's going on. It's just consistency is important in sports. So like, I I just don't understand what the why the change every like few years or so for some random races.
0: Exactly. And it's the sport is hard enough to follow for guys like us who by no means, we're not experts. We're just passionate fans, but we've been following the sport for the last five, six years on this channel, almost as a profession, just doing content for it and as fans for even longer. But even for me, it's sometimes difficult to keep up with with the rule changes and trying to explain it to some of you guys out there who are maybe new into the sport. I mean, imagine if you're watching football or basketball or any other sport and they kept changing the rules every two seasons or three seasons and doing all these ridiculous trials. I mean, it, it just doesn't make any sense to me. And that's the one thing I don't like about the sprint races and the weekends. And Tyler, we can go to the, your point now. I don't like the sprint weekends just because you know, in terms of the races, Max Verstappen said this, when you get to the sprint race, you're just trying to be careful not to damage the car so you don't mess up your Sunday, which is where it all counts. And I just think that they're really taking the value out of qualifying. And for me, qualifying is very exciting. And I think it should be more important than what it is now because it really shows the driver's skill of, okay, which driver can extract the most out of the car, who can drive the best at the limit and under the most amount of pressure, which I think is very exciting. So, I'm not a big fan of the sprint race weekends. I mean, okay, it's it's nice to see more racing. And some of the sprints this year were were okay. I think that they need to be smart with where which venues they do it at, that's for sure. But I, I think we're only going to see more of these sprint races. And unfortunately, these qualifying format changes too.
1: Yeah, which of course... It, it, has everything just led to, to TV broadcast and what's going to get the most viewership, right? What's going to create the most income? Um, and that's probably sprint races. People are going to be more inclined to tune into those sprint races. So in the end, everything's a business and uh, you have to find that balance of balancing the money aspect and, and you know, creating as much income as you can, but also keeping your fans happy and especially your hardcore ones who have been there since, you know, for 30, 40, 50 years. Um, They're the ones that kind of help get the sport where it is. And if it wasn't for those fans buying in 30, 40, 50 years ago, we wouldn't really have what we have exactly right now. So um, it's, it's a fine balance and, you know, Liberty's trying to find exactly where they can put their toes in and, and not, I don't know not over, over pour the water it's a terrible saying but whatever the saying
2: is you know, not get what i'm trying to say i got you <laughs> i forgot what i was gonna say so <laughs> it, was, it was the rubbish
1: that was coming out of my mouth say, like what is he talking about
0: <laughs> don't worry by race two or three you're gonna be poetic
1: yeah well, i hope so <laughs>
0: Well, let us know what you guys think of of the revised qualifying format and of course the addition of the sprint races as well. Um, you know, it's it, it's definitely interesting and it's no sort it's no disrespect to the drive to survive fans because it's great to have oh. new fans in the sport. But it's kind of like when you know it's like when we all used to listen to to Drake when he was first coming out, right? and he was doing all those hits before he went mainstream. And now that everybody's a Drake fan, you're kind of just sitting there watching like, you know, I was following this guy before it was cool. (laughs) And that's kind of how I feel it is now with formula one where, you know, we were there before it was cool, before it was mainstream. And I don't want to say that the drive to survive fans or era are ruining it, but I've certainly noticed far more interest in the business side of things than the actual racing side of things. So, uh,
1: Sorry, so they're, they're definitely not ruining it because, again, although you did have those fans 50 years ago, you do need new fans to keep growing the sport to help it last another 50 years. So I wouldn't say they're ruining the sport. I'd, yeah, I'd say it has 100% to do with everyone behind the scenes trying to create as much money as they can. And like I said, I think there's a, a balance there that they have to find, and they just haven't found it yet. Las Vegas isn't the balance. You don't, you don't <laughs> go to Las Vegas for a balance in life. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I, 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 I think, good point like we need those new fans you know continue the tradition go for another 30 50 years and i like as much as i hate the sprint races and like it is a commercial thing in the end right they sell more tickets to two races every every basically every race weekend that they have a sprint race which draws more fans in which is going to get more people to watch at the end of it so i mean yeah it is really annoying but then we like you said we really don't need those new fans to keep going for what we have and like we're kind of in this lull we're like yeah, Drive to Survive has brought in a bunch of new fans, but it's also brought in, like, unfortunately, a bunch of misinformation at the same time. Um, like, talking to one of my friends who's like, oh, I didn't realize Ferrari was such a big team. And I'm like, what? Like, for, Ferrari was F1 for the longest time, you know? Like, it's like these the new fans who don't know the history behind it, who just watched Drive to Survive. And it's just, it's just that, you know, it's just misinformation and people that who don't go back and do the research of the sport. So.
0: Yeah, we'll see, we'll see where it goes, but, um, they've got something that they've always, they've always got to change something, which I, I'm not a fan of. So, but that kind of brings us full circle now into, uh, we can wrap up the the podcast with just a quick look ahead to, to 2023. We are recording this now about in the, the middle of January. So, the first launches of 2023 are really only a few weeks away. I think uh, Williams is the earliest one on February 6th, but we are getting new ones coming out every now and again. But uh, a lot of them are happening within the first two weeks of February. So we're going to be here covering that and doing our kind of just reactions to deliveries and, and things of that of that nature. So just your initial thoughts, guys, just a couple of minutes here, here before the end of wh- what are you looking forward to in 2023 the most this season?
1: Um, it's a good question. Um, I'm interested to in see if anyone can bounce back and, and try to catch Red Bull. How close is the championship actually going to be? Or are we going to see uh, Red Bull domination like we saw with Mercedes? And you know, I'm looking ahead at the schedule too. And you know, the, other than one race in April, round four, that hasn't been decided where that's going to be yet. Um, I, I think it's a really interesting schedule. I mean, there's a couple of races that, that I would love to see on there, <clears throat> Germany, um but other than that and i'm excited to see what these tracks are going to bring of course we have qatar coming back in um to host another race uh u.s is hosting three races we'll see how that um how that las vegas grand prix turns out in november it's almost a you know almost a year away um
2: still no germany though eh
1: no germany again this year and i just wonder where that round four is going to be i don't think it's going to be in germany i probably somewhere like portugal again i would guess and i like portugal I like Portimao. um you know how saudi arabia going to be with that the new track layout changes that they made as well so um a couple of interesting points and yeah, it's just going to be one of those where i hope someone can come back and and fight red bull this season and you know, i hope we see Ferrari or I hope we see Mercedes or um, a surprise team come up and I'd take, the, take the constructors championship or at least change the drivers championship. I think it'd be dangerous to have Max win three times in a row. Not that he doesn't deserve it or, or couldn't earn it. I just think that uh, growing as a sport to create those rivalries, we need someone else there as a world champion to, to challenge Max.
2: Yeah, I, I, I agree. And uh, for that, I'm actually very excited. The biggest thing I'm looking forward to this season is actually the partnership rivalries within the teams. Because at, at this point, we have almost you know six people who could be contending for the World Championship if they have a good car. Uh, you know, uh, Max, Sergio, Lewis, uh, George, uh, George, you know, both the Ferraris. And then even the, you know, even the Alpine partnership, I'm very looking forward to that French connection that they have going on. It's it's also a rivalry as well. They both grew up together, racing together, and they both want to win it for France. So I, I, I just think the team dynamics for next year are very, very interesting. Um, and I, I think it's really up to, you know, as usual, it's up to the teams to kind of deliver the cars and just keep delivering the cars next year. Because we saw, you know, Last year, I think that was a big thing. Max and Sergio were put in this car that they weren't super confident with. And we, everybody thought uh, to lean towards Ferrari to be the championship winners and the constructors winners of last year. And they were proven wrong, you know, a third of the way through the season. So I, I think it's going to be very interesting to see what happens um, if they get delivered the right cars and consistency. Um, so, yeah, I, th- I think it should be really good. Yeah, well, two things that
0: I'm looking forward to the most, one, in in addition to the obvious one, which is, let's see how close the championship battle is and and the entire field in general, but I'm looking forward to a lot of these new teammate partnerships that we had. You guys mentioned a couple there, but one of the ones I'm intrigued the most is Fernando Alonso's move to Aston Martin alongside Lance Stroll, which uh, I think poor Lance Stroll is going to be in for, for quite the challenge this season, but I think that Aston Martin kind of ended the season on a positive note in terms of development, and they recovered a lot from their early season struggle. So I think uh, maybe Alonso finally made the, the right career move at the right time, at least hopefully for his sake he did. But he's got a, a lot of fire and a lot of passion still going into, I don't even know what, I think this is his 20-something year in in Formula One, so... I'm really curious to see how he gets on and and other drivers as well like Oscar Piastri at McLaren after that whole big contract drama and and saga that he had that's going to be a lot of pressure for him going up against Lando Norris who just got even better last season so that's going to be really interesting and also just at the front Tyler like you mentioned if Red Bull have a good car again dominant car again. I'm curious to see if anybody, number one, will be able to challenge them in terms of car performance. And if they do, let's say Ferrari is on the same level of performance as a Red Bull or Mercedes. I'm curious to see if any driver can actually beat Max Verstappen because he was driving at such a high level last season. Many people think that he's only getting better. He obviously says himself that he's got room to improve and be even better. But I'm actually really curious. And can any of these drivers actually beat Max Verstappen in his current form in somewhat equal machinery? I don't think Sergio Perez can do it, but can the likes of Leclerc or Hamilton or Russell be able to actually beat him in a straight up fair fight? Which is going to be really interesting to see because I just think he was so good last season, despite the domination. And it, it did make it boring, but we often forget in times of domination of just how how good and how how amazing some of those drives were. So those are just a, a few of the things that I'm I'm looking forward to. And then of course, just some of these new tracks like Las Vegas, just for the absolute scenes that we're gonna see there. It's just gonna be interesting <laughs> for that reason.
1: Yeah, you thought Miami was ridiculous. Wait till, wait till they hit Las Vegas. I mean, oh my
0: God. Yeah, no comments.
1: <laughs> it's gonna be interesting. Hey, and I wonder how, uh, if we see any developments with uh, some of the reserve drivers. Most importantly, Daniel Ricciardo, uh, reserve driver now at Red Bull. You know, it, maybe if, if Sergio isn't isn't up to par at the start of the season, do we see Daniel Ricciardo come in? Um, it, it's uh, another interesting perspective there. I think that he's back in the Red Bull kind of scheme of things. And um, I mean, we'll see what happens over at Alpha Tower as well. And maybe Ricciardo, I mean, they have Nick DeVries coming in with uh, Yuki Sonoda this year. and We'll see how Sonoda does uh, at the start of the season as well. I'm sure they won't get rid of DeVries at the start of the season, but um, we always see that sort of uh, drama in terms of a mid-season driver change. I think Daniel Ricciardo might be uh, who everyone's kind of after during this mid-season shakeup that we usually try to see.
2: Yeah, I mean, it should be... Quite interesting, and Chris, I, I don't think anybody could challenge Max. I think this is the same conversation we had two years ago. That if we were to put Max and Lewis in a Mercedes, who would win it on one v one? I think <laughs> we all voted for Max. I think, I think there's no one, maybe except for Charles Leclerc, in like two years if he gets put in a good Ferrari, that would be able to compete, in my opinion. But who knows? Um, yeah. So I'm, I'm very much looking forward to this season.
0: Yeah, it's it's going to be record-breaking just in terms of the races once again, and and hopefully it'll be a good year, an exciting year as well, and yeah, it was uh, obviously pretty quiet from us in terms of uh, content on the channel, but it was kind of deliberate in a way too because it was good to get a break. I mean, the last two seasons or two years of Formula 1 have been very intense with not much of a break in between, so to get this longer off-season has actually been quite nice because it's good to recharge the batteries, take your mind off of racing a little bit, and, and you get to find the passion for, for Formula One again after you take a break. So from now going forward until uh, at least the summer break, you'll be seeing regular content from us coming from the channel. Of course, this being the, the first edition of the podcast in 2023 and hopefully many more to come. So I think that we're going to be not doing, of course, weekly podcasts right now because there's not much going on, but certainly once the season gets going, we're going to try and get a podcast out to you guys Every single week following a Grand Prix, so that'll about do it for for this episode of the podcast, episode number one thirty two. I will leave it to you guys, Tyler and Shaker, if you have uh, any final thoughts or comments or anything that you'd like to share before uh, before we get out of here.
1: No, I'm just happy to be back uh, doing the podcast with you guys, and uh, happy to be back uh, in front of everyone. Hopefully, you guys all enjoy what we have coming up this season, and I'm excited to rip apart some terrible liveries in a couple of weeks. <laughs>
2: <laughs> terrible or like the same as last year <laughs> yeah <laughs> both <Ball. laughs>
0: same thing right
2: <laughs> yeah I, I i honestly this year this is the one year where i'm kind of like yeah, the liveries are pretty much like not going to change but maybe i that's just i don't i don't have my hopes up too high for it so i once they're out i'll be all excited for it um leave with anything uh yeah i don't think lewis is going to retire until he wins this last championship so i'm you know i guess we're going to be seeing lewis for like another three to five years and i think that's what i'll leave it with no that's good we'll see if you're right i
0: think they're negotiating a new contract so yeah you could be right with that he doesn't look like he's ready to quit yet we'll we'll hold you that we'll hold you to that prediction when it comes when the time comes we'll leave it there for now for for this edition of the podcast we wanted to reconnect of course uh, thoroughly enjoy being back here to, to record another podcast and i'm glad that we weren't as rusty as i thought we would be after so many months away and uh, just a quick thank you to everybody as well for uh, the continued su- support to the channel and we appreciate everybody being so patient with uh, the return of the podcast and just with everything going on uh, in our personal lives as well to be able to stick to the channel and also to always support us as well. So it really means a lot to us and we hope that you keep subscribing and keep watching our content for this season because I think we're gonna be putting out a lot of interesting videos as well. And I think uh, we've got a lot of unique stuff coming to the channel too. And with me being located here in Europe, I think we'll see a lot more uh, exciting stuff coming to you on the ground as well at some of these f1 races and different events and things like that so stay tuned to the channel on youtube of course if you are listening elsewhere subscribe itunes spotify always be following the podcast and we are on social media as well instagram facebook and twitter links can be found in the description below any final words for you guys
1: all good here
0: super All right, guys, thank you again for listening for today's episode. Make sure you hit that subscribe button and like this video on YouTube. Share it with your friends. Let everybody know the BMF One Show podcast is back live on the air and we'll be with you again soon. For Tyler McDonald, Shaker Barty, I've been Chris Cato for this episode. I can't wait to have you guys along with us again real soon. Talk to you then.